Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoyed the message. God, as we begin our time in the word today, I thank you because you've already met us. You're already meeting us here in in our time of prayer and you're going to meet us in our time with scripture. God, we want to make space for you. We want to make room for you to do whatever you want to do, God. We're expectant. We know that you're, you're, you're coming to us. We know that you're here to bring revelation, healing, forgiveness. And so with open arms and open hands, we're ready, God, to do whatever it is that's on your agenda. Whatever it is that you want to do in this space, God, we love you. Jesus, bless our time together in the word. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can, make, you can take a seat. What's up, family? If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Lashad. Um, I'm husband to Doriana James. She's that beautiful woman with the hair right there and holding my beautiful daughter, Justice. Justice, hey, baby. Hey, hi. (laughs) And champion James, who's uh, probably going to start yelling at your children as well. So if he hears a child yell, he'll like talk back. They'll like start echoing off of each other. So, um, hey, Christmas season is here, guys. and, And it's tough because like the Hallmark videos don't really line up with my reality at home. Does anybody else feel that way? It's like, there's Hallmark vibes and true crime vibes, like all in the same moment. And the the issue is that there's like a lot of promise, like sitting, like there's there's promises of, of community and love and let's all sit around the dinner table and let's all be a big happy family. But those promises sit right next to the family problems that we have, that there is somebody missing from the dinner table that we couldn't hold it together to open up gifts because somebody had an argument with someone. There's some people in this room right now, you're probably dreading going home for Christmas or having family over for Christmas because you know there's that one unresolved thing that you haven't quite dealt with and it's probably gonna be at your doorstep in about 20 something days. And there's a lot of pressure because there's, there's promises and then there's like family problems. There's the family promises and the family problems. For me, um, if I'm honest, my, uh, when my mother passed away and we had to deal with her inheritance, there was a little bit of like a, a feud between like me and my aunts and stuff. It was like, it was terrible, right? Like my mom's dead and my family and I aren't like on the same page. And I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish the probate process on my worst enemy. Like if I'm honest with you, I, I think if there's like a layer of hell, it has to be like a probate process. Like um, just the legality behind it is, is terrible. Um, but if I'm being honest with you, I, I know that my granddad is probably going to pass away in the next couple of, of months, and I don't want to go home uh, because if I go home to visit him, I'm going to have to see a bunch of family members that I really don't want to see. Like, I want to see my granddad, but I don't want to see them. Has anybody ever felt in this awkward space before? Am I alone here? Has anybody else ever had some family problems that you're probably not looking forward to dealing with at, come Christmas time? There's, 
I know some of you right now, you're, you're probably struggling even through like how people celebrate. Like normally when we celebrate, we have like alcohol and stuff like that. And for some people in this room, this is going to be a, a very hard challenge for you and your family to get through this holiday season without having some sort of negative interaction with alcohol. Does that make sense? And I want to pause really quickly before we get into the scripture. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter one. But if there's anybody here that's on any sort of sobriety journey whatsoever, it could be from alcohol or anything. But if there's anyone that's on like a sobriety journey, could you do me a favor and just kind of raise your hands? I want to celebrate what God's doing in your life. Could you stand up so that we can celebrate what God's doing in your life? I know this is awkward. I know. And come on. Come on, what if it was your uncle or your aunt that was on a sobriety journey right now? Can we praise God like it's your family that God is saving from addiction and drugs? Come on. And here's, for those of, for those of you who are standing up, no, stand up, stand up. I'm gonna make it a little bit more awkward. For those of you who are standing up right now, I, I do this a lot. And the reason I do this is because I consider the fact that you are in this room right now to be a victory lap, like God has done something in your life and every day you show up is a miracle. Every day you show up clothed in your right mind is an absolute miracle and only you know how true that statement is. It sounds like I'm saying it from stage, like it just says a, a nice thing to say, but only you truly know how much of a miracle it is that you are standing in this room right now clothed in your right mind. And so the reason I celebrate you is because every time I see you, it's a victory lap. God has done something in your life and he has won a victory and he's continuing to win that victory. And so when I see you and you're not in an ICU, you're not in the hospital, you're not somewhere on the side of the road, you're not out of your right mind, just completely gone. I want to celebrate you and I want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. And I just want to just speak a word of encouragement that this holiday season will not take you out. Okay, that God is with you during this time. And as you are stepping into places of celebration and, and, and maybe potentially temptation, I'm speaking for myself as well. God is with you in that space. And I just really want to take a moment and just say, praise God for what he's doing in your life and what he's done in your life. Amen. Amen. All right. Come on. Um, I need someone who doesn't mind uh, reading Matthew chapter one, verses two through 17. It's actually on the program notes, but it does have a lot of like names in it. That's a little scary. So. Anybody on the front row that's just like, I don't mind reading. I don't mind taking a stab at it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right, come on, come on. I felt, I felt like you were excited to do this. Go for it. 1, 2 through 17? Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right, so Matthew 1, 2 through 17. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amenadab. Anyway, Amminadabed begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David then begot Solomon by her, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram. And Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz. And Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Ammon. And Ammon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shethel. And Shethel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiod. And Abiud begot Elikim, and Elikim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Akim, 
and Achim begot Elud. Elud begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Methen, and Methen begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, and the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Um, as you look at those genealogies, uh, there's a lot of name dropping in there, and a lot of the name dropping is very intentional. As we talk today about having family problems that are right next to family promises, I think that's what you see inside the genealogies. Um, we're not going to go through every single name because there's a, amazing backstories attached to each of them. But for today, I just really want to keep it at a high level and say that as the names are listed, you're going to see in Jesus' biological family promises and problems. For those Bible scholars out there, you probably noticed two major names inside of the scriptures, one being David and one being Abraham. And those two people had two family promises that were spoken over their life that were what we would call covenants, okay? And one of those covenants is with Abraham and God chooses him and he promises to bless him and give him a large family with lots of land where they can flourish. And God says somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all the families of the world through this one family. So I want you to think about that covenant that's made, that promise that sits on Jesus' family. And then there's another one that comes through David. It says that uh, God told David that one day uh, his son, one of his David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessings all over the nations. And those two promises sound amazing. And maybe some of you sitting in this room, you've had promises spoken over your family. Like there was a granddad that was like a pastor that prayed over you and, uh, or a grandma that was praying over you to, and, and maybe a prophet came and said, hey, your family is gonna do X, Y, or Z. And so you know the potential that's inside of your family that God has for you. But the reality is sometimes that those promises are right next to some problems. As we look down in the verses, you see uh, there are four women that are mentioned and they're kind of mentioned in an interesting way. Uh, Tamar is mentioned, Rahab, uh, Uriah's wife, which is a not so subtle nod to a problem that was there, and then Ruth. These women are mentioned and they I'm trying to change the language because we have kids in the room, but these women are mentioned and they have kind of, some of them have a sketchy history, some sketchy romantic things going on, but they're listed right inside the genealogies. Like with the promises of God for God's family, inside that same genealogy, you see people who are not originally considered part of the family of God, people who have sketchy romantic histories listed right inside of there. And it creates a weird tension. It creates a weird tension. There's um, and it's not just the women. Abraham, who's really respected, he struggled with doubt and dishonesty. Uh, Solomon is known for his wisdom, but later in his life, he had choices that led to the a breakup of God's family or God's kingdom. Uh, Jeconiah, for you Bible scholars out there, if you look in Jeremiah 22, there's a time where God specifically tells Jeconiah that um, he's not going to prosper. Uh, his children won't prosper. None of his children are going to sit on the throne of David. Um, that's in verse 30 in Jeremiah 22. And so this creates a huge problem, but here's the bottom line. Here's the one thing I want us to pull out of these verses. Jesus's biological family has some amazing family promises and some deep family problems. Here's the good news for today. God understands what it's like for you to have family issues around the holidays, and he has a plan of what he's going to do to fix it. This is the good news for us today. He understands. He has empathy for us. Jesus knows how we feel in this holiday season, and he's a compassionate king who also had a biological family with some major family problems. 
There's a scripture in Hebrews chapter five that says, therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way, uh, yet he did not sin. God is able to empathize with us. If you feel like you're alone this season uh, because your family doesn't really accept you because you're walking with Christ in a new way, Christ understands what it's like to have a family tree that's not perfect. And I know that seems super simple, but I don't want us to overlook the fact that if you are following God and you uh, are, are walking in a, a revival of sorts spiritually, when you go home, it doesn't feel like you're welcome. How many of you have been called a holy roller or super judgmental because you're following Jesus and you don't do the same things you used to do with your own family? Yeah, a few people in the back, just my house church, that's cool. I'm joking. Um, and there's, there's awkwardness there, but I want you to know that Jesus empathizes with you if you're walking into a space that you don't feel like is as accepting as it once was. The second thing I want to mention today is that God has a plan. Actually, before I mention that, I just want to say a super side note. I think as a church, we really have to watch how we talk about people who we consider outside the family of God. Because when we look at Jesus's genealogy, we see people who were called Gentiles, people who had a sketchy romantic history. I'm trying not to use a certain word, but they had a sketchy romantic history. They had issues with, with lust and, and their integrity. We have to be careful with how we talk about people like that today, because it's very likely we're talking about someone who Jesus probably empathizes more with than we do. You're talking about Jesus' great, great, great grandma here. Like, you just, be, just be careful. Like, it's okay to call out sin. It's okay to have a standard. But there's sometimes we get a little bit loose with how we associate with people who don't believe the same way that we do, um, who don't act the same way that we do, and who are struggling with certain addictions. And we start talking about them, and we may forget Jesus may have more empathy for them than we do. And we can see that right in his biological family tree. But the good news is, they, not only does he understand, but God has a plan. In verse 16, Jesus is called the Savior and the Messiah. When Jesus enters the family narrative as someone born of the Holy Spirit in a deep, loving relationship with his heavenly Father, the whole story changes and God gets the glory. When Jesus enters into the family narrative as someone born of the Holy Spirit in a deep, loving relationship with his heavenly Father, the whole story changes and God gets the glory. Let me say it this way. When Jesus enters into your family narrative, when you are born again of the Holy Spirit in a right relationship with your heavenly father, God changes the whole story and he gets the glory. No matter what kind of biological family tree you feel like you've come from, no matter what kind of baggage you feel like you might be carrying into this holiday season, when Jesus enters into your story and you are born again of the Holy Spirit and you begin to walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, the whole story changes and God gets the glory. Because Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, he didn't inherit the hurts, hangups, and habits of his biological family. In the same way, as you're born again and filled with God's spirit, you don't have to give in to the power of any sort of generational curses um, or, or, or hurts and hangups or habits that you might have uh, potentially inherited. Let me ask this question. Have you guys ever had a bad habit that Whenever, you, whenever somebody in your family did it, they said, oh, that's just like a James thing. Like, oh, that anger, that's a James thing. Or that temper, 
that's a Johnson thing. Does anybody have something like that in their family where it's like, oh, like the drink, is drinking habit, abuse or anything like that? And they're like, oh, well, that, that must, they just use your last name and they just say that's your thing. It's part of who we are as a family. You know, we don't, we don't have men who are faithful. That's just who we are as a family. Or we don't have men who are able to control their anger. That's just who we are as a family. And if you're not careful, cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, they're just trying to connect with you, but there's, they start labeling you with things that were never, you were never meant to carry those labels. You're never meant to carry uh, this label of just always being given over to drugs or always being given over to anger. Here's the good news for us today. Because we are being refathered by God, we do not have to live out the same sins of our forefathers or ancestors. We can live into a new nature. The scripture says that we've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. All right. That means you don't have to give in to your, your, your earthly fathers or earthly aunts and uncles habits. You can give in to what the father is pressing on you to do. We can love like our heavenly father loves us. I know for us and my family, it's, it's um, going back to alcohol, but all my family are like super heavy drinkers. Like um, to this day, I'm pretty sure there are some people in my family. If they stop drinking, I would be like really worried for their health because the withdrawals would be like outrageous. Um, I still get drunk phone calls from certain people in my family who are, they just want to get some stuff off their chest, quote unquote. And I can tell that they've, you know, had some, some things to drink and it's hard being in those conversations. I don't know if it's just me, but it's really tough being in those conversations, trying to hold on to a relationship, but trying to balance a, a, a nasty habit that's kind of plaguing it. Um, and I was told that that was just a James thing. Like that was just what we do. The good news is that that's just, that's not true. Like when I became a follower of Jesus, a lot of those habits, it's not overnight, but a lot of those habits just begin to burn off. I didn't have to give into those things. I didn't have to give myself over to everything else that everyone else was doing, including my family. And can I tell you something? It's still awkward when I go home and everyone wants to party and I don't get invited. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be real because I feel like sometimes we talk, here's what we do in church. We say, you know what? You might not have, a, you might not have your cousins or your, or your brothers or sisters, but you got brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's like, yes, that's true. And I'd also like my brothers and sisters to invite me to hang out with them. Oh, you know, you have a heavenly father and your heavenly father is nothing like your earthly father. As long as you're in love with your heavenly father, that's all you need. And it's like, amen, I do have a heavenly father. Can I still be lonely for my earthly father to be in my life? I'm not, and, and hear me out, I'm not saying that, that God hasn't given us a new family because he has. He has given us a new family. But the reality is when we step back into our biological family, there's still some hurts and hangups that God empathizes with. That's the part I'm trying to get across. He's not just going to say, well, I'm so sorry. You're not going to get invited out after dinner. All your cousins and aunts are just going to go to this place. You're not going to get a text message. So, you know, you're going to be at home with just grandma and granddad while your cousins are out hanging out without you because you're a Christian and they don't want to invite you out because you're going to be a buzzkill to them. And so you're going to spend some lonely times when you're supposed to be around family and you just get excommunicated from that. And I know this isn't everyone's story. So if it's not your story, I apologize. But I really just want to speak to the people in this room who you're not going to go home to a place that's as welcoming as you might want it to be. And you're going to be excluded from hangouts. Even with your friends, you're going to be excluded from hangouts because they know you're a Christian, you're following the Lord, and you're probably not going to want to do the things that they want to do. And it's going to feel lonely. In those spaces, I want to let you know that God empathizes with you and he sees you and you're not alone. You're not alone. I'll end with these thoughts. Um, as God transforms our family narratives and begins to, to break those generational curses, we're given a testimony. We're given a testimony. And for some of you who might be first generational followers of Jesus, 
Um, I just want to encourage you to share that testimony with other people. But I know that there's another group of people in here that I want to talk to. How many of you came from a decently good home? Be honest, a decently good home. All right, now here's the next one. How many of you came from a decently good, like, spiritual home? Like, dad prayed with you and for you. Like, mom and dad, raise your hand, nice and proud, yeah. All right. Your testimony is just as beautiful. It's just as beautiful. I think that is God's intention. It's for us to raise our children in the fear of the Lord, for us to raise our children in the instruction of the Lord. And I know many times whenever we share testimonies, even like I've, I've been guilty of this as well, we begin to share like salacious testimonies of like, oh my gosh, everything was destroyed. My whole family was in wreckage and ruin and God came in and saved us, which is true and it's amazing. But I think we need to hear more stories of the generational faithfulness of God. Yes, that's good. The, your story of your mom and dad praying over you and for you and with you, we need to hear those stories. I don't ever want you to feel ashamed of sharing what it is God's done in your grandparents' life that is affecting you today. I think that's God's intention. I don't think he intends for every generation to fall astray and then come back, you know, and later in life. I think he does intend for grandparents to pray prophecies and prayers over their grandchildren. And, and then we, we write those things down and then we begin to see God bring it to fruition. I think that is God's original intent. And so I just want to take a moment and celebrate you. If you come from a lineage where your biological family does love the Lord and does follow the Lord, we need to hear your stories as well. We need to hear your stories as well. My final encouragement is that all of us would know our testimonies all of us need to know our testimonies. We need to know and bear witness to what God has done in our life and our family. Anytime, anytime you get a revelation from the Lord, it's a miracle. Anytime anyone in your family gets a revelation from God, it's a miracle. So don't, it's no small thing you're still walking with the Lord. It's no small thing that your granddad, or your grandma, or your mom come, came to know Jesus. That's not a small thing. I think we make it super common, but I don't want that to be something that doesn't amaze us. It's still a miracle that the faith of your father was still passed down to you. That's a good thing that's worth celebrating. And we need to hear those stories, guys. All right, do me a favor. If, you have, if you're taking notes or you're taking notes on your phone and you have a listener guide, could you just wave it at me? There we go. I love the kids. We need the kids in here more often. Thank you. I love it. All right. Here's what I want you to do. Um, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down, number one, can you write down a promise of God that he's seen you, that you have seen him fulfill in your family? All right. Write down a promise of God that you have seen him fulfill in your family. What's a promise of God that you've seen him fulfill in your family? Write down a promise of God you've seen him fulfill in your family. The second thing I want you to write down, can you be honest and write down a promise of God you're still waiting on? If I'm honest, I'm still waiting on God to work in my life to like reconcile me with some of my aunts and uncles because it's just, it's awkward and we don't live in the same state. So we're still working through that. But that's something that I would write down. I'm, I'm looking for reconciliation specifically with some of my aunts. Could you write down one promise of God you're still waiting on?
write down one promise that God you're still waiting on. And then the last thing, we're ending our time together here. We're going to start singing and sharing here in a second. Could you just write down one thing you feel like God might be inviting you into just based off our time together? It doesn't have to be something that was said specifically or directly during the sermon. Maybe the spirit was just pressing something on you while we were singing earlier, while we were praying. But just, just please, let's honor God's voice by writing down the things we think he's telling us. Sometimes we have more respect for college professors than we do the voice of the Lord. You spend four years in college writing down every single thing a professor tells you. And then when the Lord speaks to you, we just want to like, oh, maybe that was it. And we just kind of let it go. Let's honor God by writing down what he, might, what he may be saying to us. All right. I'm going to ask us if we could uh, quickly... If we could just get into groups, maybe the family that you came with um, or just two or three people, make sure no one's left alone and then just share what it is you wrote down. If you didn't write anything down, just say, hey, I didn't write anything down. That's totally okay too. But if someone, if you wrote down um, what you felt like God is inviting you into, uh, a promise of God that you've seen him fulfill or maybe something you're still waiting on, can you just quickly just share that with the person sitting next to you? We'll give you about four or five minutes. So let everybody go first and then just pray with each other, or encourage one another, and then we'll take communion soon after. Sound good? All right. Go for it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.